Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Dr. Orlova is sitting by my bed. She's there most days when I wake from my afternoon sleep. Sometimes she's smiling into my face. Other times she's dozing in her chair. But as soon as I move, even if it's just a twitch of my little finger, she springs to life. Hello, Sasha. Dr. Olova smiles and the wrinkles around her eyes and mouth multiply. I rub my eyes and sit up slowly, carefully, so my chest wounds don't hurt too badly. I stare at her. I don't smile and I don't speak. I can't. I've forgotten how, but I think the kind doctor understands. She must know I'm glad to see her, otherwise she wouldn't keep visiting day after day. Hello and welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Katrina Nanastat is an award-winning children's and young adults author whose works include The Girl Who Brought Mischief, The Girl, The Dog and the Writer series, and The Travelling Bookshop series. Katrina was the winner of the 2021 ARA Historical Novel Prize in the Children and Young Adult category for We Are Wolves. Today, I'm talking to Katrina Nunnestadt about the ARA Historical Novel Society's award-winning book for 2022, Rabbit, Soldier, Angel, Thief. Katrina, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you for having me here. First of all, congratulations on being not a one-time, but a two-time winner of the ARA Historical Novel Prize for Rabbit, Soldier, Angel, Thief. Thank you. I was very, very excited to win. I was very excited to win the first time and super duper excited to win for the second time. Winning this prize twice must make you think you're doing something right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very encouraging. Certainly it's it's encouraging and I, I can probably think that I've gotten it right to a certain extent for two books anyway, <laughs> and it is an encouragement to continue writing historical fiction, that's, that's for sure. Now, Rabbit, Soldier, Angel, Thief is a story about the experience of a six-year-old boy named Sasha at the height of World War II. What was the inspiration for this story? The inspiration actually comes from the story of a real boy who was a soldier with the Red Army during World War II. So while I was doing some research for my previous historical novel, We Are Wolves, I came across a number of stories about child soldiers. I was doing some research about Hitler youth and was particularly interested in what active roles they'd played in fighting towards the end of the war. And so I came across these stories about child soldiers, all of which were disturbing and fascinating, but one really stuck in my mind, and it was about this little boy called Sergei Aleshkov, and he's believed to have been the youngest child to have served as a soldier during World War II. So he was only, they think he was somewhere between six and eight years of age when he joined the Red Army, but when I look at the photos of him, I honestly think he must have been six or maybe even younger. He looks very babyish. He was living in a forest in Russia with his mother and his brother, and his mother and brother were helping the Russian partisans, and the Nazis found out and came in to take revenge, of course. So they killed his mother and his brother. But a quick-thinking neighbour actually grabbed little Sergei and threw him out the window, and he escaped into the forest. And now the accounts vary 
quite a bit from one account to the other. <laughs> and then I think really all the accounts came back to a primary source, but the details do become a bit hazy along the way. But I think he was surviving for either a couple of weeks or a few months on his own in the forest, and he was nearly dead when he was found by Red Army scouts. He was exhausted and he was covered in sores and he was starving and unwell. So he was taken back to the Red Army unit where they looked after him and basically he became one of them, became a little soldier. They made him a little uniform and he served throughout World War II all the way to Berlin where he survived and, and lived beyond the end of the war. This is really powerful storytelling and it deals with trauma in children. At first, Sasha can barely move as a result of his injuries, but the trauma Sasha is experiencing is not just through his physical injuries, but also in his mind, especially through his dreams and in his sleepwalking that seems to happen a little bit later on. In your writing, you, you don't retreat from this aspect of trauma. Are you fearless in your approach or simply being realistic? I would not say I'm fearless. In fact, I'm full of fear the whole time I'm writing about these serious issues because I am very aware that I'm writing for children. But I think I, I try to be honest. I'm very aware when I'm writing historical fiction that I'm writing about things that real people have actually lived through, that real people have suffered. And so that I'm I have to be respectful of that and not make light of that. But I am also aware that I'm writing for children. And so I need to be honest, but I need to cushion the story or or present the story in a way that's child friendly. And of course, trauma, <laughs> trauma and loss, grief, suffering, all those things are an unavoidable part of a war story if we're going to tell it honestly. And in Sasha's story, he suffers a great deal of loss. And so while I I don't shy away from that. I think I'm <laughs> very cautious in the way I present it to young readers. As you say, loss and grief are a big part of this story. How do you balance these difficult emotions through your storytelling? I've spent a lot of time working to get this right with my war stories. Um, I actually really struggled with this when I first started writing Werewolves, my previous war story. And during the writing of that, I came to some sort of balance that helps me now with writing all my war stories for children. Um, one thing I use is a strategy of having the child at the centre of the story as the narrator. So it's narrated first person, present tense. So my main character tells the story as it's happening to them. So my little child narrator can only describe what they see and experience and that actually enables me to navigate my little character my main character around the big bad things that I don't want to share with young readers and so I'm not denying that many of the really horrendous things happened in these situations so I feel like I'm not making light of what really happened but my character can only experience one thing at a time the other thing that that child narrator really enables me to do is um, they can only explain what they can understand. So sometimes my little narrator will see something and they will explain it at face level, but they won't really understand. So a young reader will just take it at face value, whereas a reader who perhaps has historical knowledge takes it at the level they're ready to take it at. They they read into the story what they're ready to read into the story. The other way I, I feel like I manage to make the story accessible for young readers is to have a real balance there between light and dark. 
I don't shy away from talking about grief and loss and suffering, but I always make sure that I also talk about hope and add humour and joy. So there's always a balance there. And I, I like to focus on the positive qualities amongst my characters and the situations they're in too. So I like to talk about resilience, bravery, about forgiveness and kindness and love. And really, I think one of the main themes of this book, Rabbit Soldier, Angel Thief, is the power of kindness, the power of kindness to change the world, that even those of us who are little and feel powerless still have the power to do small acts of kindness and even small acts of kindness can change the world around us. And so I think even though I'm writing about big war stories, I still like to hone in on those really precious happy moments, those hopeful moments and the positive things about my main characters. And something that's also wonderful about Sasha as a character, he's always moving forward in the story. He's a developing character has no trouble making friends and he finds comfort in friendship. I think that's really something that I try to establish at the start of the story, that he's had this lovely childhood. At the beginning of the story, when he first has his flashback to his life in his Russian village as a little six-year-old, we see this beautiful home life he has. He has a loving mum and a loving sister. He has bedtime stories. He snuggles up with his sister at night. He plays with his friends, Nina and Olga in the village. You know, he goes out at the end of the day to meet his mum and the other women and, and the big boys as they come back from the harvest and sings with them. So we see this happy life of a little boy who's surrounded by friendship and kindness and love. And I think that's the the foundation of his character as a kind little boy. That's He doesn't really know anything else until the war comes along and changes his life. But he still takes that um that kindness and that love with him, I think, and he demonstrates to others what's been demonstrated to him. But also I think along the way it's not just Sasha's kindness, it's also the kindness and love that others show him that enable him to keep moving forward. And even at times where he gets muddled as a little boy and angry and hurt as a little boy, there are people around him who try to show him a better way to live his life and a better way to respond to things. So it's his it's his kindness and his upbringing and his lovely personality, but it's also the help he gets along the way. There's also a lot of symbolism weaving its way through this book too. Flowers are a very frequent symbol. What do flowers in particular bring to this book But and what can symbols in general bring to a story? Flowers are a constant symbol of hope and survival even in harsh conditions. So at the start of the story, we see Sasha in his village surrounded by the flowers of springtime, the blossoms on the trees and beautiful flowers in the garden. His mama loves flowers and embroiders flowers on her scarf. So there's so much happiness and life and hope symbolised by those flowers. But as the story goes on, we see flowers um, in meadows after they've been churned up by war and we see flowers growing through the ruins of destroyed villages, and we see flowers growing in the middle of misery, and they're a symbol of this thing that life goes on and that there can still be beauty even in the harshest of situations. So I think they are constantly a symbol of hope and survival throughout the story. What happened, I ask? Private Woodscoff shakes his head. It's an astonishing story, Sasha. 
I'm not sure you'll believe it. There I was, standing in a field full of panzer tanks, and I thought I was a dead man for certain. But then my stomach ached, and my bowels rumbled, and the gas built up to an unbearable level. I knew it had to come out, and that when it did, it would exit with a great deal of force. So I bent over with my bottom pointing toward the enemy, lit a match, and kaboom! The gas exploded, and the entire German tank division was blown sky high. I stare at him, eyes wide, mouth open. This is even more astonishing than the stories in Red Star. Of course, my uniform was also charred a little, but all in all, I think it was a satisfactory outcome. His eyes lock with mine and he declares, I should be awarded Hero of the Soviet Union for what I did today. This book also has the flavour of a folk tale in almost every page, and there are some characters like Papa Scruff and Ivan the Invincible, or Invincible Ivan, I should say, who become a big part of the storytelling. There are even stories within this story. I often end up with stories within stories, <laughs> partly because I'm a storyteller, but I think stories are a wonderful way to show different culture in a story. So if you, we've got a story set in Germany, there'll be German fairy tales, and this one's set in Russia, so there are Russian fairy tales, and that's part of the loveliness of bedtime and dinner time when he's a little boy in his village at the start of the story. But those fairy tales and stories that Sasha's been told are also a way that he tries to make sense of what goes on throughout the war. And I think stories are always a way that children can make sense of their, their world and what's going on about them. I think Sasha particularly has a lively imagination and he likes to tell stories for fun and to cheer people up. But he, he also responds to different stories, not just fairy tales. We see him loving Red Star newspaper, which is a propaganda newspaper that was given out to all the Red Army soldiers. He loves the stories of bravery that really were in the real Red Star newspaper. Some of them were absolutely ridiculous in their propaganda, in their exaggerated stories of bravery and survival and conquering an enemy that's outnumbered people. And Sasha just really grabs onto that and tells his own stories of bravery and survival of his own comrades, which is out of love for them. It's out of a passion for storytelling and it's also to encourage them and cheer them up. So I think he gets a lot of joy from stories. He also gets a lot of comfort from stories. And I think along the way, he uses them to make sense of what's happening in his world. Right at this very moment, across the media, we're witnessing the devastation that the war has brought to Ukraine. What can a historical novel bring to a young person's understanding of war when that very thing is unfolding at this very moment in time, particularly when Russia is being cast as the enemy or the invaders? Yeah, that's a really... Good question. And um, in writing a war story about a child, I like to take a big world event, like a particular moment in war or a particular side of war or a particular battle, and condense it down to one character's personal story. And I think that's really a valuable thing to do for children, but also for adult readers. I think it personalises history and I think it makes us realise that war is not a case of bad people versus good people or heroes versus villains or winners versus losers. I think, <laughs> I think it's a really important thing for children to see 
um, individual characters in a war situation so they can see that they're just like them, that they have the same uh, loves and the same fears and the same need for friendship and kindness. One thing that I really want to show through my all my war stories is that there are good people on both sides of any war conflict and that there are people who do unspeakably terrible things on both sides of any war conflict. But in the end, even if someone's declared a winner and someone's declared a loser, everyone really loses out when there's a war. And I think, you know, we want, I want children to know that war's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing victorious or glorious about it. <laughs> I also want them uh, not to think that one side's all full of baddies, <laughs> that there are good people all over the world and there are good people who get caught up through no fault of their own in these terrible conflicts. I've only got one more question for you, and it's kind of related to what you were just talking about. For me, historical fiction helps fill the gap between the factual and the personal, which is just what you referred to. A kind of objective history of a textbook, for example, as the background to a personal experience of that period in time. Is historical fiction as important as any formal history lesson? Well, that's a very big, stark statement, isn't it? Is it as important? I think for younger readers, for children, I think it can be as important. I think it's a really good starting point for young readers, both primary children and middle-grade children, to start exploring history. And I think the real strength of historical fiction is that it actually presents history but in an age-appropriate manner. So if it's well researched and if it is based in fact, which which my stories I hope are factually correct, um, they're presenting the history um, accurately, but then they're not covering all the bad things we don't want children to know about at that stage. So if you set out to just read the raw history, um, there are many, many things that are incredibly disturbing and that we really don't want our young readers exposed to. So really cruel stuff, really traumatic stuff, stuff that adults don't even want to read about, whereas historical fiction will will create a story that is accurate still and gives them a starting point to discuss these moments in history and the big issues, the big events that shaped the world. Sometimes just the, the stark history can be quite dry to read. It can feel just a bit too much of facts and figures sometimes, depending on how it's presented. And I think the other thing that historical fiction does is it makes it more exciting. It makes it far more engaging and entertaining for young readers. And so where they mightn't happily sit down and watch a documentary or read a history book, they will happily engage in one character's emotional journey through a situation, but they're still getting that information and still have a starting point to think about those big issues that we want them to ponder at, at that age group. Katrina, congratulations on winning the award and thank you for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast. Thanks so much for having me here. I've been talking to Katrina Nanestad about her new book, Rabbit, Soldier, Angel, Thief. It's the winner of the 2022 ARA Historical Novel Prize in the Children and Young Adult category. It's published by ABC Books and you can find it at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs and thanks for listening. Subscribe to Good Reading Print and Online Magazine at goodreadingmagazine.com.au.